Now I have a, a, another important announcement to make, and that is that we're going to hear from the Word of God. And you're not going to be hearing it from me, you're going to be hearing it from the awesome, awesome Brendan Skinner, so welcome him up here this morning. Thank you. Fantastic. We're talking about uh, honour your mother and father. There was a girl who uh, went to interstate to go to college <coughs> and uh, she got caught up in college life and uh, didn't have time to write back to her parents until one day her parents, after many months of not seeing their daughter, got a letter in the mail from their daughter and it read this. It said, Dear Mum and Dad, I have some exciting news. Um, <coughs> I have met a man. Uh, he's a great, wonderful, exotic Colombian man. Uh, and he looks after women in a very special way. And, uh, and we're now in a relationship. And, uh, and I'm so excited to be telling you because I'll be bringing him home for Christmas uh, because uh, we're getting married. Dad, I know that uh, you're going to get along really well with him because he's about your age. And, uh, and we're getting married really quickly uh, because I'm pregnant. And so you're going to be grandparents uh, I also left my bank details on the back of the form because I withdrew all my money in cash and unfortunately the university grounds burned down and so uh, I'll need you to deposit some money in there uh, as soon as possible. But other than that, it's all good and uh, I'm excited to introduce you to your granddaughter or grandson and to your future son-in-law very soon. Then, then it said PTO, and they turned it over, and it says, There was no fire, there is no Colombian, I am not pregnant, and I don't need money. However, I have failed all of my exams. <laughs> I have failed all my exams, I want, and I wanted you to see this in perspective. <laughs> you know... Over these past months, we've been gaining God's perspective on the Ten Commandments. And uh, more recently, we've been gaining His perspective on honouring your mother and father. Last week, we found out about how to honour our mother and father, what that actually looks like. looks like affirming them, accepting them, and some other words, starting with A. Let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit here this morning. Father, I haven't prepared a really clever, tricky message, but I know that you've spoken to me about what you want to do here this morning. And Holy Spirit, I can't do it without you. And so I pray that you would come powerfully in this place, that you would open every heart, that you would lift the veil from every eye, and that you would bring restoration and healing into people's lives in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Fantastic. I would like to subtitle my message this morning, Jesus, the great restorer and repairer of life. You can write that down at the top of your page if you're taking notes and want to go to heaven. <laughs> you know, it's Jesus, the great repairer and restorer of life. You know, one reason so many people find it difficult or find it a burden to hear the commandment, honour your mother and father, is because they actually have unresolved resentment towards their parents. 
you know, I was praying during the week and asking God, what is it that you want me to do this morning? And God spoke to me and said, you know, there are people here this morning. Some of them have been abandoned by their parents. Some of them have been hurt by their parents. Some of them have moved away from their parents. Some of their parents have moved away. Some have outlived their parents. There is some hurt and some pain that people carry as a result of their family life. And I want to restore and repair people this morning. You know, can I just get that a bit closer so I'm not running a marathon every time I drink some water? Thanks. That's really close. (laughs) You know, our world is not perfect and bad things happen. Our families are not perfect. Can anyone say amen? You know, I I began to ask God, so what, what do you want to do in the lives of these people? And, and I began to think through some scenarios. You know, I started to ask God, will, will you just fix the problems that people have if, if they just hand them over to you? And I considered this. If a family is broken by divorce and one of the parents remarries, will God tear apart one marriage to restore the old one? If a family loses a child and God brings a new child into the family, does it really make up for the loss of the other child? If a boy is beaten by his father, will God miraculously replace his parents and just erase his memory? If a girl is told by her mother, you are good for nothing, will God take control of the mother like a puppet to make her apologize? Because of unresolved resentment, a man might refuse to visit his mother on her deathbed. If years later he becomes a Christian and discovers that he is to honor his mother and father, will God raise his mother from the dead so that he can apologize? A girl is put up for adoption and grows up thinking, my real parents didn't want me. There must be something wrong with me. Will God erase her memory, bring her real biological parents back into her life and pretend like nothing ever happened? Families are complex organisms. And so often we have hurts and burdens that we carry. And if Jesus is the great restorer and repairer of life, what does that actually look like? Because sometimes things get a little more complicated than Jesus just just fix it. Make it as if it never happened. Would you agree with me? You know, I felt God speak to me and say, I won't undo the problem. I will restore the heart despite the problem. I'm not going to make it as if it never happened. I'm going to bring people into the fullness of life even though it happened. And that is a majestic God. And so I want to, with you this morning, examine Jesus' family life. You know, this was a revelation to me as I began to look through what Jesus' family life actually would have been like. And through it, I believe we can find three steps for cooperating with Jesus, the great restorer of our souls. 
the first step is this. Let go of the pain from the past. There are three actions. There's two Ps in each uh, title. So if you don't get excited about that, that would be a bit horrifying for me because it took me a long time to come up with them. (laughs) And I was clutching at straws by the third one. Number one, let go of the pain from the past. Luke chapter 2. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Keep in mind, Jesus has had this uh, birth in extraordinary circumstances. Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit, and so um, they've been told by angels, you're going to give birth to uh, the Savior of mankind. Your son will be special, and so look after him. And so now Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival every year. When Jesus was 12 years old, so is Ethan 12? Is that about right? Picture Ethan's age. So Jesus is Ethan's age. They attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. Imagine if he did that these days. Oh, we just assumed that he was on the bus. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Here's the kicker. Three days later. Three days! Imagine losing your child and three days later you still don't know where he is. Not just that, God said, hey, this guy's really special, so look after him. And you're thinking, we've lost the saviour of mankind! Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. This is 12-year-old Jesus. So imagine Ethan coming up to you and asking you a religious question about the scriptures, and then you're like, oh, I've never thought of it that way. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic. Understandable. You lost the the saviour of mankind for three days. Searching for you everywhere. But why did you not, why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. It's interesting to me that says that, that Jesus says, Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Mary is married to a man named Joseph. And for the record, the place where Jesus was, wasn't Joseph's house. He's talking about his heavenly father. Which means at the age of 12, Jesus knows his real dad is in heaven. His real dad is not here with him. So this Joseph man is a substitute dad. He's a a stepdad. He's a surrogate father. God said, hey, I want someone else to look after you because 
you're, my, you're me down there. So you can't be your own father. I'm going to send somebody else. And so we actually start to get this sneak peek into the fact that Jesus' family is a little bit fragmented. We think he's the saviour of mankind. He must have a perfect family life. And yet here we get this hint that actually Jesus knows you're not my real dad. Jesus grew up with two fathers, his father in heaven and his stepfather on earth. He would have been torn as a child knowing that his real father is in heaven and his father on earth isn't his biological father. He may well have been challenged with thoughts of, why should I listen to you? You're not my real dad. And yet, it says, he was obedient to them. You see, Jesus knows what it feels like to be adopted. He knows what it feels like to have a step-parent, to have a family that's not necessarily the norm. Jesus had brothers. They were all born to Joseph and Mary, except for Jesus. And so Jesus was an outsider in the family. To add insult to injury, none of his brothers had to carry the burden of being the chosen one. I'm sure Jesus knows what it, look, what it feels like to be surrounded by people and yet feel completely alone. Men at the time typically married women who were much younger than they were, on average about 15 years younger. And so if Joseph, if Joseph was 15 years older than Mary, then he would have been about 28 when Jesus was born. When Jesus started his ministry at age 30, that would have made Joseph 58. Males of the time typically died around the age of 40. And Joseph is not mentioned except for when Jesus is growing up. It's most likely because he was no longer alive. That would mean when Jesus was just a teenager, he lost his father, his stepdad. That means that being the oldest son, he would have become the head of the household and shouldered the responsibility for his mother and the other brothers. Consider as well that Joseph has heard prophecies about this son of his, that he's going to become the salvation of all of Israel, be a light to the nations. But he didn't live to see him fulfill that destiny. Can you imagine the reunion in heaven where Joseph sees Jesus coming through the pearly gates and he says, my son, how did you go? Did you become the saviour or did, did Mary lose you again? And he would see that he, he has been glorified, that he's become the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Joseph could say, I got to play a part. I got to play a part in the salvation of mankind. And now you are my king. Vicky, can you just look away because you're crying, I'm crying. <laughs> it's not helping. My point in giving you all of that background is to say this. Whatever it is that you're going through, whatever unusual family circumstance you have, whatever burden you carry, whatever hurt you hold, Jesus understands. He feels your pain with you and he wants to walk 
with you every step of the way. I mean, we think, Jesus, yeah, but he's Jesus. He knows. He knows what it's like to feel different, to feel alone, to have an unusual family. And so, you know, Psalms 27.10 says this, Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. He is the great repairer and restorer of life. You can be made whole and restored by God. You don't have to carry the weight and the pain of the past. The way that we do that is three things. One is to forgive our parents. The second is to ask God to forgive us. And the third is to forgive ourselves. Whatever hurt you carry from your family, today is the day to let it go and begin on the journey of forgiveness. Some of these things are buried very deep, hurts that you might have carried from a very long time ago. This morning, I would ask you to just cautiously search your soul and see if there's something that you can bring up to the surface this morning that you can hand over to Jesus and allow Him to help you forgive, forgive others, forgive yourself and begin the journey to fullness. Holding on to resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. God tells us that unless we forgive others, we can't be forgiven by Him. You see, I... (laughs) Your resentment might be justified. I don't want to say that no resentment is justified, but bad things happen. But you can still choose to forgive to open up the possibility of feeling better about your parents. Many people are reluctant to forgive their parents because, you know, it is painful to be betrayed by your parents. But, but normally that's on the incorrect assumption That forgiveness means that you have to forget the painful things that have happened to you. Or that those things were actually not bad. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you forget. It doesn't mean that it wasn't bad. Forgiveness simply means that you stop carrying the pain around with you. Forgiveness allows us to build something positive in the present while still making sure that we don't repeat what happened in the past. And so my question for you this morning is, have you been hurt in the past or damaged in some way by your family? Do you carry that pain with you? Do you have feelings of regret or feelings of guilt? And there's going to be an opportunity to respond at the end. So if that's you, hold on to that. Keep thinking about that until the end, in which case you'll give it up. Number two is embrace your place in the present. So we've dealt with the past. We've talked about letting go of the pain of the past. Number two is embrace your place in the present. What does that mean? I don't know. I had to get two Ps in there, okay? (laughs) You know, Jesus has grown up and started his ministry. Joseph has most likely died. Mary and, jo- and Jesus' brothers have heard the news that he's been calling disciples to him. He's gone off and he's calling people to him. There is talk that he's performing signs and wonders, possibly by the power of demons, the rumors say. 
All reports suggest that he is either demon-possessed or mentally unstable. And you go to try and talk some sense into him, to restrain him. This is Mary and the other brothers. In Mark 3, it says this. <coughs> then Jesus' mother's and Je- Jesus's mother, she, he's only got one, and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my mother and sister and brother. My brother and sister and mother. Imagine being Mary, imagine being Jesus' mother and you, you, you hear some bad reports about your son and so you go and you arrive to see him and you can't see him because there's this crowd and so you send a message to say that you're here to see him. Say, tell Jesus it's Mary. Tell, actually, there were lots of Marys in those days. Tell Jesus it's Mary, his mother. He will see me. And the messenger goes in and the messenger comes back out after a long time. And he's sort of standing there awkwardly and you say to him, what did he say? And, and the messenger sort of says, well, there was a big crowd. And did he say anything? Did you get to him? Yeah, yeah, I told him that you were here. Yep. So he's coming out. <coughs> Not technically. Um, he, um, he basically said, he said, uh, he's, he's, are you definitely his mother? Yes, I'm definitely, okay, because he kind of posed the question, who is his mother? So, you're definitely it. I mean, imagine the hurt that Mary would have felt. I think the reason Jesus is doing that is because he needs to make a really strong point. And the point that he's making is this, when you follow God, you become a part of his family. If you have given your life to Jesus, if you are saved, then we are Jesus' family. We are family to each other. You may come from a broken family. You may have lost your parents. You may be separated from your family. But here in the house of God, you can find a new family. That is your purpose for the present. You can ask yourself, how can I be family to the people around me? Who around me might be lonely? Who could I invite to dinner? Who could I make an effort to connect with? So you might not come from a broken home. So you might figure, well, I've got my family. Don't, don't worry so much about Jesus' family. <laughs> I've got my own. But you could ask yourself, well, how can I be a family to people around me? You see, this is more than just a service on a Sunday where we come and sit, warm some seats and then leave again. God calls us here to be connected with one another, to be family to one another. You see, there's a difference between being friendly and making friends. As we grow, we need people, as, as, as we as the church grow, we need people to open their lives up and allow others to become a part of their lives. Consider this, what is done for a a person who might come into the family, they will do for others. From you, they will learn the culture of this church. 
if you open your life to welcome someone into your life, that person knows that when you come into the family of God, you're welcomed. And so then when somebody else comes in, they'll think to themselves, I know how to do this. I'll open, I'll open my life up to them. So what you do represents what the church does. There's a catchphrase that uh, was coined by Jordan, who is it? The hashtag, strictly inclusive. C3 Cronulla. There are country clubs and places that you can go to in the world where they're strictly exclusive. There's big gates on the walls and you go in and you have to be a certain kind of person to get in. The church is meant to be the exact opposite of that. The church is meant to be strictly inclusive. It doesn't matter where you come from. There are no gates on the doors. You're welcome. And if, you, if you're here this morning and you've, you, you aren't part of the family, you've never made the choice to follow Jesus before, then I want to give you that opportunity now before we get to the third point. In, in the Bible, there's a story of Jesus and he's traveling because there's a girl who has died. And, oh, excuse me, she's very, very sick. Oh, I'm just giving away the spoiler. Okay. And he's traveling on the way to go and see her. And there's, there's many tight streets and a crowd begins to form. They say, there's Jesus, there's Jesus. And they start crowding around him. More and more people come and, come and see Jesus until the streets are so tightly packed that you can barely move. People are sort of shuffling along saying, where's Jesus? I can't see him through the crowd. And Jesus is shuffling along through the crowd. And then suddenly he stops and he says, who touched me? Can you imagine being one of the disciples? It's like Pastor Chris and I go to, uh, go to Adelaide Oval and we go to the footy, which is highly unlikely. But, and we're sort of shuffling in through the crowd, through the gates. And there's hundreds and hundreds of people. And all of a sudden Pastor Chris stops and he says, who touched me? And I would say, don't worry about it. It's, there's a crowd. You know, it's just a bit of hustle and bustle. It's no big deal. But he says, who touched me? Jesus in the crowd says, who touched me? And the disciples would have said, don't worry about it. There's lots of people touching you. Who touched me? He, he insists, who touched me? Eventually, this woman comes out of the crowd and she says, I touched you. He brings the woman out of the crowd. This woman who was anonymous, who was just a part of the crowd, he brings her out and he says, I know you touched me because I felt the power. Leave me. Don't be embarrassed about it. I know that you wanted to connect with me. Why did you come here, he asks her. She says, I have a woman's problem and the doctors can't help me. She said, I thought that if I could just touch the hem of your clothes, then something would happen. And Jesus says, did it happen? She says, yes, it did. She knew that she was healed. And he calls her, he says, daughter, my daughter. So here's this woman who was anonymous in the crowd. He pulls her out of the crowd and he calls her daughter. She's connected with him and he embraces her in his family. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. 
The crowd was follow, following Jesus, but Jesus stopped the crowd for one woman. Sometimes you and I can feel like we're in a crowd and, and we ask, does he really care about me? Does he really know me? Yes, he does. And he will stop the crowd for one person. The moment we reach out to touch him, he will touch us. He will call us a daughter and a son. He will parent us. He will be a father to us. Oh, I went. The little girl who was really, really sick, she died and then he brought her back to life. Just so that that bit's wrapped up. I don't have time to go into detail, but that's pretty amazing, isn't it? You know, there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. There's a difference between coming to church and being a part of the family of God. The difference is very simple. To have a personal relationship with Jesus, to be a part of his family, all we need to do is pray a prayer to ask him to come into our lives. Until we ask him to be our Lord and Saviour, we are just visiting his family. And if you haven't invited Jesus to come into your life before, I would love to help you pray that prayer this morning. Because Jesus loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants to connect you with God the Father. He loves you so much that he died a painful death so that you could be forgiven from all the mistakes that you've made in the past. So that none of those mistakes would keep you from being close to God. So you could live a new life with Him. And so that when we die, we can spend eternity in heaven with Him. Would you just close your eyes for me this morning? I want to give that opportunity to you this morning. If you're here and you're, and you're saying to me, you feel in your heart, I want to ask Jesus to come into my life. I want to be part of his family. I want to know him and have a personal relationship with you, with him. Then I want to pray that prayer with you this morning to ask him to come into your life. If that's you here this morning, would you just raise your hand so that I can see it, so that I know and we can pray together. I see that hand. Thank you. You can put it down. Is there anyone else here that, this morning that wants to ask Jesus to come into their life? Thank you. I see that hand. You can have a personal relationship with him, spend eternity in heaven with him. You see, Jesus doesn't force himself on us. He puts an invitation out to us. And so, once he's invited you, we need to invite him in. And so Jesus knocks on the door of our heart. If Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart this morning, if you can feel there's something different going on here, would you pray that prayer with me this morning? Is there anyone else here that wants to make that decision? Just lift up your hand, I'll see it. Fantastic. Why don't you stand with me? Jordan, I'll get you to.
If you made that decision this morning, can I ask you to do something brave? I would love to pray with you out the front. Can I ask you to do something brave and just come and stand down the front and I would love to lay hands on you and pray with you this morning. Why don't we welcome them as they come, give them a hand. It's a fantastic decision they made. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Fantastic. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but Jesus brought the woman out of the crowd. You guys have reached out to Jesus this morning to touch him and he wants to touch you. Why don't you just close your eyes and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I leave my old life behind and I enter a new life with you. I will follow you to the end of my days. You are now my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you, Father. God, I pray that you fill these guys with your spirit right now. Touch them as they have reached out to touch you. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, fill them. In the name of Jesus. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. stay standing if you're here this morning and you would like to respond and say hey Brendan I'm carrying something I've been carrying something for a long time maybe you've been carrying it for a short amount of time I'm not going to pull you out the front this morning some of you may have your parents here with you what I would like you to do is for everyone to close their eyes If you're here this morning, I want to pray with you as well. If you have something that you want to hand over to God this morning, if God's been speaking to you, if He's struck some chords on the inside of your heart, say, hey, I want you to let something go. I want you to begin the journey of forgiveness. I want to be able to fill you so that you can be raised to the fullness of life. If you're here this morning and you want to respond and say, Jesus, I want to let go of something here this morning, would you just lift your hands to heaven whilst everyone's eyes are closed? And allow God to fill your spirit. Father. You know, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me during the week 
and saying, this is what this is all about. This is what he wants to do. He wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring fullness of life back to people. He wants to restore people. Spirit, right now, I pray that you would fill this place. I pray that you would fill every heart. I pray that you would help them to forgive. Help them to let go of resentment. Help them to let go of pain from the past. And be born fully and wholly into your kingdom. Father, many of these people already are born into your kingdom. Father, I pray that you would make them whole. You would help them be restored. You would help them let go of the pain from the past. You would fill them with joy and peace and love. Thirty seconds. Let the Holy Spirit wash over you as you let go. you to keep speaking to God about it during the week. Allow him to to take that burden from you. You can be seated. Third and final sharp and shiny point where I'm clutching at straws for peas is be the proof in the pudding. John 19. Jesus is hanging on the cross. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Like I said, there's lots of Marys. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple that he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. From then on, this disciple took her into his home. In his last moments, dying on the cross, Jesus was thinking about someone else. He was thinking about his mother, making sure that she would be provided for. In the last hours of his life, even though he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Son of the Most High, Jesus gives honor to his mother. You see, Jesus calls us to do the same. So we can let go of the pain from the past. We can embrace the new family we have with God. But this is not an exclusive family where you remove yourself from society, it's quite the opposite. 
This is a family where you come and you experience the love of God and then God calls you to go out and share the love. Be the proof that's in the pudding. Show that you have Jesus on the inside of you. And if you have a broken relationship with your parents and they're still alive, that love can permeate that relationship as well. Fantastic. That's good. I'm finished. <laughs>